This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. This is a transfer special. It is day seven of the transfer window. No confirmed signings as yet for Tottenham Hotspur, but I'm sure there are one or two just around the corner. I am absolutely delighted to bring back Josh Hughes, our very special guest today, uh, broadcast journalist and sports social media executive with the Daily Mail. Josh, pleasure to have you back. How are you? Doing well. I mean, I, I never thought we'd see the day where we're getting excited about signings this early in a transfer window. It's just so alien for us as Spurs fans, the way that things have previously operated. And yeah, thanks once again for having me on. Um, Yeah. Loads to talk about, which again is a rarity. So uh, exciting times. We were joking off air because once me and you get talking, these chats could last for two or three hours. Don't ever get me and you in a pub, eh? No. No, not a chance. It'll end up with me last night. Stay out too long. Not enough sleep. <laughs> Josh, you mentioned there um, about transfer window, um, the January window. Of course, um, the summer window was a really good window for Tottenham and Foster Coglu because, of course, this football club had to go through a major rebuild. Um, Harry Kane, of course, leaving, which uh, it seems strange that a player of that calibre leaves the football club and no one really even mentions Harry Kane or, or you know, they don't, they don't mention that, you know, that he's gone or, you know, because we had such a good window in the summer. Um, with this January transfer window, Ange Postacoglu has come out and said that nothing magical is going to happen in this window. But it feels already that Spurs are actively working to try and improve this squad and give Postacoglu exactly what he needs. Yeah, absolutely. I think when, when Postacoglu says nothing magical, I think... In a world where we're seeing the likes of, you know, Declan Rice going for 105 million, I, and this is the great thing with Ange Postacoglu because he is so, he's one of those managers that he says it how it is and he says things so straight. And I think it's, you know, it's very, very easy to understand exactly what he means when he says things. But this was one of the rare times where 
I think it was kind of up to the interpretation of, of the supporter, really. And, and, and the way that I saw it, at least, was Spurs aren't going to be going and spending £100 million on a striker to replace Harry Kane uh, this window. Spurs aren't going to be splashing that kind of money generally. I think, you know, what this was hinting at, for me at least, and makes sense with, when you look at, you know, since at least Paratici came into the club, how we've operated in January is finding the right deals, clever deals, and, you know, improving our squad, you know, to put us in a great position to challenge for getting back into the Champions League, which I think is is primary objective. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see where we go from there, really. Um, so I'm, I'm quite surprised that we're seeing what we're seeing so far. But, um, you know, I think when, when a manager says that, they're always going to be asked these questions and no one really wants to answer it because, of course, they know what's going on. But yeah. it's, it's one of those things. I think managers hate it. They hate the speculation. They don't want to unsettle players. Um, but, yeah, maybe it was a little porky pie from, uh, from Ange because I think, you know, something special is brewing at Spurs. And, you know, if it carries on the way it looks like it's going to go, you know, we could be having a very, very strong second half of the season. Don't question his integrity, eh, Josh? Not at all. No, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> you know what? I thought, I thought he was he was absolutely superb in the press before and after Burnley. And what I thought was actually a pretty pretty rubbish game, um, except for that piece of magic from from Porro, um, because also the the bit where he was <laughs> asked about winning trophies and he says he's got the pictures of them. Um, yeah, he's 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 just a breath of fresh air, isn't he, in the media? Josh, before we talk um, solely about transfers, I just want to ask you your opinion on the season so far, because, of course, we are now past that halfway point. We're fifth in the Premier League table. We're one point away from top four. We're six points away from top spot. We're into the fourth round of the FA Cup. And I also wanted to touch upon um, Postacoglu going very, very strong, probably the strongest team he could have put out against Burnley in the FA Cup on Friday, which was an absolute delight uh, to see in my opinion, because I hope and pray that Spurs go far and perhaps lift the trophy in May this year, because we've had such a long wait for a trophy, particularly the FA Cup. But what have you made of the season overall? You must be absolutely delighted because when you take into consideration the suspensions and the massive amount of injuries that we've had, it's an incredible position to be in, bearing in mind as well that Harry Kane left and we've had this incredible rebuild to, 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 to process. For sure, even more delighted hearing that Arsenal have just gone behind against Liverpool. Uh, but back to Spurs. Um, yeah, uh, it's one of those things that <laughs> you ask me, and, and I always say this, I always bring this back whenever I come back on your channel. When you asked me where I thought we'd finish, and I said fifth. And I think, you know, it was probably a few raised eyebrows because the pundits certainly didn't think that. The so-called, you know, ex-pros and football experts, if you want to call them that, um, you know, certainly didn't think so. And and things were, you know, we were in a frustrating point where we, yes, we were making a couple of signings, but it looked like we were a bit short, obviously, Harry Kane. Um, what's happening is just incredible. I, I think that Ange Postacoglu, uh, you know, he does what he says on the team. You look at his track record, you look at the way he treats cup competitions. And I know people can say, OK, well, Carabao Cup, we rested players. I think the difference between that and the FA Cup is, and just had months now to see these players. And I think when you see the way that we went strong in the FA Cup, it shows me two things. One, uh, he's, he's taking the competition seriously. 
and he wants to win something and he knows the players that are worth picking. And two, he's learned from his mistake in the Carabao Cup, which is a great thing. When I think a manager can can kind of fall on their sword a little bit and they can admit when they've got something wrong. And, and this has been one of the most refreshing things about Ange is we'll win a game, but if the performance isn't good enough, he will say it's not good enough. He doesn't need you or me to say it's not good enough. And, you know, there have been times, quite a lot of times this season, where we've probably been saying in the stands, you know, at the games, you know, this isn't good enough. You know, we, we seem to be missing something. It's not quite working, but they're finding a way to win. They're finding a way to get through it. And, you know, week by week, it does seem, even if the performances aren't great, like Burnley, I didn't think it was a good performance at all. They're finding that way to win, as I say. And it seems that the players are learning something. And Ange, too, is actually learning something each week. And to approach the second half of the season into the fourth round, we've now got that nice rest period until the 14th when we go to Old Trafford. It's a good spot to be in. We've lost players. We've had adversity this season. And this is the craziest thing about everything. We're, we're um, mathematically very much in the mix, which is something I never even thought about until, you know, I'm seeing the numbers. I try not to think about it. But, you know, to be where we are, having had these injuries, now we're looking to strengthen. We've lost Son, Saar, Bissouma, three crucial players to the Asian Cup and the Africa Cup of Nations, respectively. It's It really just shows how good a job he's doing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think a single Spurs fan can complain. And, you know, and I, I very much hold this opinion and I don't want to sound delusional when I say this, but I genuinely believe this truly. If Spurs didn't have these injuries, and bear in mind, when you look at the teams around us, OK, Manchester City's had you know, Doku injured, they've had De Bruyne injured, now they're back. None of the teams around us have actually had this level of injury crisis that Spurs has had. And in most of the games that we did lose, I think the only, the only games where we were outplayed this season were Wolves and, and, and Liverpool and arguably Brighton. You know, so three games out of, what's that, 20 games now? Yeah. It's absolutely extraordinary. Um I think we'd be top of the league. And that is, I'm not trying to sound crazy. I genuinely believe that if we didn't have these injuries, of course we have. It's all kind of, you know, imaginary thinking, but it just shows where we are. And and it's great to see. Where are we in terms of league position now, Josh? What are you thinking? Because you've said fifth to me before. Um, some fans are saying that Spurs are title contenders. You've just said it yourself. If we hadn't have had all these injuries, we'd be sitting top of the league. I agree with you. Are Spurs title contenders? Are we good enough to win the Premier League this year? Or is Ange building for next year? Is it all about Champions League spot and, and playing entertaining football this season? You're going, to get, uh, you're going to hate me for giving you a politician's answer here, but I believe that Spurs... I believe Spurs are capable of challenging for the title this year, but I do believe that there are a couple of teams that are more capable of challenging for the title this year. Liverpool. I know Arsenal have had a dodgy run but I think Arsenal and, and of course, Manchester City, De Bruyne took like three minutes, four minutes to get his first assist back from 149 days out injured. Yeah. Um, we saw what happened when De Bruyne came back into City the last time he had a serious injury and it transformed them. They absolutely romped home to the title. I, I don't think you can ever count out Manchester City. Um, 
you know, I, I think where that leaves us is in this really interesting battle for fourth spot with Aston Villa. Um, I don't know why, and I don't want to disrespect Aston Villa, but for some reason I cannot, I just cannot kind of picture Aston Villa finishing fourth. I'm constantly underplaying them. I'm constantly not rating them highly enough, I think. I think a lot of people are probably guilty of that as well. But I think that's that is the battle. It's for fourth. And I think if you'd offered us fourth at the start of the season, I think a lot of us would have said you're dreaming, given how bad last season was. So I think, you know, I think we're certainly in the mix for top four. Um, and what that does beyond then, I think it's it's down to the players, down to our imagination, and and you know, we'll just enjoy the ride, really. And so I suppose in essence, with what you're saying in terms of playing good football us being entertained and, you know, being excited for games and wanting to jump out of bed, even if we're ill, like you the other day, you know, to watch Spurs shows where we are and, and we've just got to enjoy it. Um, but, you know, when when we have this conversation at the end of the season, when we're looking ahead to the following season, I think it's a different conversation. But for now, I think there's no reason we shouldn't be getting Champions League football. Josh, of course, a lot has changed. Um, of course, Postacoglu came in in the summer. A lot has changed on the pitch. A lot has changed off the pitch as well. New scouting team, uh, Johan Lang coming in. Fabio Prachi is still working as a consultant. Scott Munn has also been appointed um, this season as well. Um, off the pitch, now, it's fair to say that Spurs and the Tottenham Hotspur board have been heavily criticised. Even you've come on this channel before and criticised the board and some of the, the decisions in recent years. Um, what's changed at the football club in terms of um, where we're going next? Because the transfer window in the summer was an excellent one. It looks like, I know we can't sit here on day seven without signing in yet, but the speculation, it looks like we are actively looking for players. We want to improve the squad. We want Postacoglu to have the best tools in, in order to get us Champions League football and deliver success on the pitch. What has changed, in your opinion, off the pitch um, to, to drive this? Well, I think it's a case of Spurs actually modernising as a club. I think the model has changed slightly. I think what happens is it's amazing what happens when you employ people who actually have a footballing background, who have worked consistently in these types of roles into the positions that we've filled uh, in comparison to what we had before when we were, you know, fans were demanding us to spend money. We spent money. We spent it terribly. We had some of the worst years, you know. I can it's, it's not all about money, though, sometimes, is it? No, it's about buying right. But I think this is what happens when you bring in someone like Paratici. And I think that's the fundamental biggest change. This is a guy that is Mr. Smooth Operator. He has all the contacts. The guy is as passionate. I mean, we've seen the videos of him sat behind the bench and you'd think he was one of the coaches the way he was going yeah. at it. There's never a time when he's not got his headphones in. He's not on his phone. He's not doing something. You know, he came into the club and... From what I've been told, his reaction was quite literally WTF at the state of how our club was being run behind the scenes in terms of the footballing operations, how we scout players, how we, um, you know, 
do transfer dealings itself, the contacts that we had, the bridges that were being burnt because Daniel Levy was taking um, kind of the lead on a lot of it. Um, you know, we've already heard, we've heard chairman from other clubs say they won't do dealings with Spurs because of Daniel Levy. Um, and what's happened is the whole approach has changed. And I think as much as I'm, you know, uh, I'm sceptical of Daniel Levy and I'm a critic of Daniel Levy, I've got to take my hat off to him and respect the fact that he's quite clearly been prepared to take a little bit of a step back and give some of that responsibility that he previously wasn't giving away to these guys and letting them, you know, identify these players. And, you know, if the manager wants them, I think that's the other thing that's crucial here is we're going to see this to another level with Ange because he has his kind of infamous Zoom calls or Teams calls where he, you know, it's like a job interview when before we sign a player, he needs to speak to them first and he needs to work out that they've got the right mentality and he's assessing them like that. You know, the whole thing is completely different. And we bring in Langer from Aston Villa. This is the guy that uh, found John McGinn at Hibernian for £2 million. The guy that... Um, told Aston Villa to go full throttle for Ollie Watkins and Douglas Louise. This is a guy that has been very, very good at not only identifying talent, but finding a bargain, which I'm sure, you know, Daniel Levy will be rubbing his hands at, you know, with glee because he has always been someone that if he can find a clever deal, he wants to do that. And that's been one of the things that Tottenham have been kind of famous for, I suppose, down the years is, is the the bargain buys that we've got. And a lot of them have been really good. Of course, recent years, a lot of it's been pretty bad until this new era. So, um, yeah, a lot has changed. Um, I think the whole way that they're scouting players, just where we're putting our scouting networks now, we've got, you know, when Gabonini was at the club, Gabonini went out to South America for a long time to look at talented players to, you know, to refer to Spurs. You know, we're seeing Tottenham looking at the like the places like Denmark and Belgium and the Netherlands now, which is something that we haven't really exploited as much. I know obviously Ajax, but you know, so just just where we're looking now is it, it's broader. I think we're we're acting like a big club now, which is which is really good to see. It seems exciting though, Josh, doesn't it? The fact that we're building a great team, we've got a great manager. Um, you know, everything off the pitch is is being worked on and, and being improved. And I've said this many times in the last six months under Ange, it seems that every single week, although he's had so many issues and problems um, on the pitch and off the pitch, it seems that every week the club is improving in some way, which is an absolute delight to say and 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 uh, and see. And as you mentioned, you know, fans are now looking forward to going to, to games week in, week out, either home or away. And, you know, we're being entertained, which is fantastic. Um, as I said, um, we're on day seven of the transfer window. The transfer window this year closes on Thursday, the 1st of Feb at 11pm UK time. Um, one um, player has gone out the door. One first team player has officially gone out the door. Hugo Lloris to Los Angeles. So we're wishing him all of the very best. One development player has gone out on loan, and that's goalkeeper Josh Keeley uh, to Barnet. Um, Josh, let's talk about Timo Werner because uh, I think it came to a big surprise to a lot of Spurs fans on Saturday morning because normally uh, we get the likes of the Daily Mail, yourselves, uh, you know, 
given us all of the speculation about Spurs being interested in players. This one came out the blue. It reminded me pretty much of the Ipa Suma deal uh, from Brighton. It just came out the blue. No one really knew about it. Not even the likes of Fabrizio Romano even mentioned Timo Werner. Um, Tottenham have agreed a deal to sign RB Leipzig forward on loan until the end of the season. Former Chelsea forward Timo Werner had been linked with a move to Manchester United in the January transfer window, but he is now set to join Spurs. Timo Werner has scored two goals in eight Bundesliga appearances this season and is under contract with Leipzig until the summer of 2026. Sky Germany have reported that we've got an option to buy uh, the fee. Uh, to sign Timo Verma permanently at the end of the season stands at around £15.5 million. For Brizio Romano, the latest, he has stated that medical tests have now been booked. Negotiations between Leipzig and Tottenham took a couple of days and it only took the player two minutes to say yes as he wants to play under Ange Postacoglu. And as you mentioned, um, uh, it has been reported that Ange actually had a video call with Timo Werner and he wants to come and play for Tottenham. He wants to come and play for Ange Postacoglu. He wants to play in this system. He's excited by everything. Um, the Leipzig coach actually come out and said he wants to go to the Euros. We wish him all of the very best. Uh, and we are keeping our fingers crossed for him. Um, what did you make? What do you make of this news? Timo Werner to Spurs? Because I've seen on, on social media, a lot of people are disappointed. A lot of people, um, and I'm in this camp, by the way, I think it's going to be a very clever signing. What do you think? 100%. Um, you know, I'm sure you were there as well as I was when Leipzig knocked us out the Champions League. Timo Werner, 1-0 penalty. He took yep. the penalty very nicely. But the thing that stood out was not that, was the fact that not in not just at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but over in East Germany as well, he ran us ragged. He ran us absolutely ragged. He was football manager uh, players' dream signing, someone that you would sign on your FIFA career modes. It was that player that had so much pace, so much power, good on both feet. And then he goes to Chelsea. And what happens when players go to Chelsea? Quite often, it doesn't quite go to plan. He wins a Champions League. Um, but, you know, this is the thing that's so crazy about all of this is, yes, you know, we'll go back to, to the surprise element. I don't know a single person that knew this was happening until the Germans reported this, um, which to me, this screams Langer deal rather than a Paratici thing. This screams a Langer opportunity. He's done deals like this before and an Ange Postacoglu, you know, chat and it's made a big difference. Um I'm excited by this. I'm excited by this. I mean, I've got a lot of mates that are Chelsea fans. Um, you ask them what they think. They say, you know, he's got a lot of heart. They really respect him. But my God, is he always offside. With a bit of luck and with the right coach, the right system, he can be and has all the tools and the physical attributes to be a very, very good player. For me, this is a win-win deal for Spurs at £15.5 million, which is the same exact figure that I've been quoted as well. Um, it's an absolute bargain if he does well. Yeah. If he doesn't go well, it's only an option to buy. It's not an obligation, which means that we can send him on his merry way if it doesn't go well. So we cannot lose in this situation. There's no risk. It's no risk. Yeah. Absolutely no risk. And at worst it's going to be a deal that is quite similar to Dan Juma. And at best, people are going to be talking about this deal for years to come. So 
I, I think this is a great opportunity. And by the sounds of things, he's, you know, in taking only two minutes to say he wants to play for Ange Postacoglu, wants to come back to the Premier League, it screams one thing and one thing only. This is a man with a point to prove. He's not been selected very often for Leipzig. He's been a bit part player this season because of the signing of uh, Lois Openda from Lons. Uh, a tremendous striker. He's one that I wanted Spurs to go for. I mean, he's been excellent for Leipzig, so it's not entirely his fault that he's been out of the team. Um, but at one goal in four games, and, you know, he's not made many appearances, I don't think that's an awful record to go in. Um, clearly, things aren't right for him at Leipzig. And he's still, you know, of an age where he is going to improve and he can improve. But my God, is he hungry for this? And I think that that is the key thing more than anything. If this is a player coming to Spurs that A, wants to be here. And remember, we were saying this about Ange Postacoglu. What a breath of fresh air it is having a manager that wants to be here at this football club. To have a player who has made, you know, multiple appearances for Germany. I think he's he's made, um, I can't remember how many appearances he's made. 58, 57, 58 appearances for Germany, something like that. Um, and he's, you know, experienced in the Champions League, trophy winner, Champions League winner to the club. This is great. This is great news. And at a time when Son's not going to be at the club, it's an opportunity for him to go straight into the team. Of course, Richarlison is going to have something to say about that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with a bit of health, healthy competition. Um, and yeah, I mean, provided he can watch his offsides, because that's the only thing that I noticed about him I didn't really like. And I know that, yeah, okay, his finishing can improve. But, you know, we've seen Richarlison kind of turn it around recently. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great deal. It's one that I don't think our Spurs fans can complain about at all. Josh, do you think that he's been given any assurances by Postacoglu that he's going to get much game time in this Tottenham Hotspur starting eleven? Because by him moving to Spurs... You know, even the Leipzig coach come out and said that he wants to go to the Euros. You're not going to be going to the Euros by coming off the bench, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there at the end of the game. Do you think he's been given any assurances? And also I wanted to pick your brains about what is his best position? Because we know that he can play um, in, a, in a number of different positions. And we know that Ange Postacoglu loves a versatile player. Um, I'll answer the second question first because it's a very, very black and white answer for me. He is a number nine. He's a centre forward or a striker. Get him in behind. Get him down the middle. That is where he should be playing. That's the only place he should be playing. He should not be well, playing. So you think you think he'll be in the middle and Richarlison will be on the left while Son's away? I am not entirely sure that they will both be in the same team. That's what I'm not sure about just yet. Unless Ange okay. has a completely different formation up his sleeve and he's going to play with two strikers instead of, of one. And, you know, Ange Postacoglu could change things around. Who knows? I think that where he should be playing is through the middle. He can play on the left. And if he's not going to play in the middle, I'd rather see him on the left. They uh, <laughs> The old football manager phrase that they use in a German phrase that they used to describe him in his younger days as a Ramdeuter, which is this idea of a, essentially what Son does. Someone that plays out wide, that cuts in and gets in behind, makes these kind of vertical runs through the middle. Um, and if those are the runs that he's allowed to make, then yeah, sure, that could be good. Um, 
for me, I still want more of Brennan Johnson. I want to see Brennan Johnson starting games because he looked a lot more confident. It wasn't happening for him against Burnley, but he looked a lot more confident, which was a, a good start. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't, I'm not Ange, so I can't say he can play on the wing. Yes, of course, the versatility is a reason why he's coming to the club. Uh, but for me, I want to see him down the middle. I think that's where he can really hurt people because he's got that pace that Richarlison doesn't have, that raw pace. Um, so I think that it's something that, you know, on, you know, I, I hate to say that Paul Merson is right about anything, but he said on the big pitch at Spurs, you know, he could cause, you know, mayhem. And I think he yeah. could. Um, in terms of the other, the first question, so game time, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a case of you're going to play X number of games. But we've just spoken about his hunger. If this is a guy that is hungry, right, he could stay at Leipzig if he wants and sit on the bench at Leipzig. He could go to Manchester United and sit on the bench behind Rasmus Hoyland, who costs £72 million. Pounds. Yeah. Or he can go to Spurs with a manager that he wants to play for back in a league where people ridiculed him um, and prove a point. And if he's really hungry and he wants to prove a point, he will get in that team if he works hard enough and he earns it. And I think that's probably what Ange Postacoglu said to him, because if you think about the way that he speaks about any player, you know, now you've got to earn it, mate. It's kind of his approach. So I, I think that that's probably what's going on. And I think that it's that wanting to win, that with you in our squad, you could be that player that bridges the gap between us and the Liverpools and the Arsenals. You know, you could be that player that tips the balance for us in the race for, for Champions League and, and, and even more potentially. I think that's that's where we're at with it. And I think that for six months and at all of this, you know, with the price tag, etc., six months what what's the difference six months in his career if he's not going to get game time at leipzig anyway so if he's hungry and he wants to get in that germany squad he's got to earn it and i'm sure he's got all the tools to earn it he's just got to you know work hard and a bit of luck and and we'll see where it goes well and postacoglu saw timo Werner firsthand twice last season when they played uh, when celtic played um leipzig in the champions league group stages um at celtic park Werner actually got an assist and a goal in a 3-1 free, free win. Um, last season for Leipzig, um, Timo Werner, 22 goal uh, involvement, 16 goals and six assists in 40 games. Just want to show you some stats here, Josh. Um, since the first spell at RB Leipzig, Timo Werner, 159 games, 95 goals. At Chelsea, 89 games, 23 goals. And second spell at RB Leipzig, uh, games 54, 18 goals. Some people are a little bit worried about the goal output. And Postacoglu, in my opinion, is more about the all-round play because he doesn't mind who scores the goals. You know, some managers, they're, they're all about strikers. But Ange Postacoglu, he's come out and said it even a couple of times, you know, we spread the goals out. It doesn't matter who scores them. Is it all about the goal uh, output for you with this signing of Werner? We're so obsessed with this as football fans and we need to stop a little bit. Yeah. Something that we, you know, it's it's natural. You sign a forward, you expect them to score goals. But the role of a striker has completely changed from even when, you know, and I'm, I'm 23 and I remember watching, you know, 
the Sir Alex Ferguson days and the Jose Mourinho at Chelsea days, you know, first time around, you know, and when you're seeing strikers like Drogba and Torres and, you know, it's a totally different game now. The Harry Kane striker that dropped into midfield and was a creator was a totally different thing. Uh, you know, that didn't really exist at all. I mean, yeah, kind of Wayne Rooney, but, you know, and so for me in this team, I mean, look at look at the players that have scored for us this season. We've had so many different goal scorers. Um, I don't think it's entirely about the goals, but what I would say in his defence is the fact that he is on course, well, if he'd stayed at Leipzig, would be on course to better his record at Chelsea. Chelsea is a club that can really break players mentally. Uh, there's a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure. If it doesn't quite work out, I mean, Fernando Torres, one of the greatest strikers of a generation, couldn't make it work at Chelsea. Radamel Falcao, again, a really, really top, top striker goes to Chelsea, yeah. couldn't do it. You know, Higuain couldn't do it at Chelsea. You know, we're talking about top, top forwards, um, you know. Uh, you know, even United, look at Cavani. Cavani, one of the best strikers, again, of, of the last decade, and, and he couldn't do it at United. So it happens to players. I think his overall game, when you look at the attributes and you look at his mentality, which is the thing that's coming across the most here with this. Well, the pressing, the pressing as well, the, the fitness. This is exactly it. So I think that play like that and in this system, what's going to happen if James Madison's delivering balls in behind to Timo Werner? He's going to score goals. It's going to happen. If Brennan Johnson is putting some of these crosses in that he's been putting in, he's going to score goals. One of the things I was disappointed with Richarlison with, uh, against Burnley was actually his lack of intelligent runs. And that's something that at least Werner has in abundance. Yes, he missed a lot of chances. And I think actually this that is probably the big difference between what would have been a far more fruitful spell at Chelsea and not was there were, you know, a bit of luck and, you know, there it was a bit of luck and, you know, chances he should have put away that he didn't. Um, but you can say that about most players. You can say that about most players. And one thing I would say that's really crucial here is think of all the players in our team that have improved since Ange Postacoglu's come to the club. Yeah, well said, yeah. You know, you've heard how critical I am of Ben Davis in the past. I cannot fault the way he's playing for us under Ange Postacoglu at the minute. Yeah. Same thing, Pedro Porro. For me, you know, if we hadn't signed Vicario, it would be a no-brainer. He was the player of the season so far. Yeah. And for me, he is still the player of the season. We've seen just in a short space of time how Udogi has, um, you know, matured in the games that he's playing. How, you know, Pap Sarr has developed as a footballer. Uh, Gio Lacelso, you know, when he's given games, he is performing at a much higher level than we've seen him for Spurs. So, and, and, and of course, Richarlison is finding form now. So what's another player in this system that wants to be there, that Ange wants? Uh, of course, he can get the best out of him. You know, I think, I think we're very, very quick to jump down players' throats uh, if they're not having a good moment or if they're, you know, struggling for form a little bit. Form changes. There are players that go through dry spells. Son last season was atrocious. And look how good he's been this year. The, the thing is as well, Josh, it's good for players to have competition, um, you know, for those spots. Because in my opinion, in the last couple of years, there hasn't been enough competition, certainly 
in that final third. No, absolutely. And and I, and I think that that's only good news for Werner. It's only good news for Richarlison. And it's only good news, uh, not just for those two, but for Brennan Johnson, for Dejan Kulusevski. I thought Dejan Kulusevski was really poor against Burnley. Uh, and I really don't think that the wing is where he should be playing. Um, you know, but where we've got these players, we've got Kulusevski who can play through the middle. We've got Brennan Johnson who can play through the middle. We seem to have no out-and-out right-winger, left-winger kind of thing. And it means that they're all competing and they're all pushing each other. And what that means is if there are injuries, if there are suspensions, depending on the game, it also gives Ange options where he can say, OK, we're playing the big brutes at, you know, Brentford this week. We're going to need Richarlison to get physical with them. Or we're playing, you know, Arsenal who are going to play a high line or Aston Villa, Timo Werner is much better for this game because of his raw pay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So it gives us uh, possibilities to do things that we couldn't do. So I I think that it would be really, really foolish to to criticise a player that's A, not officially joined the club yet and B, before they've kicked a ball. Um... You know, and and the other thing to mention as well is I was looking at um, his domestic cup stats. Timo Werner, thirty-eight games, eighteen goals, ten assists. So he doesn't just score goals. He can't. He can't, He's not just a goal scorer yeah. if he's yeah. feeling confident, but he can create as well. And that's in domestic competitions, including in the FA Cup. So you know, it, it, it's exciting to see, and it, it means that you know hopefully we can compete on more than one front this season, which I, I know we're all desperate to see. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. Um, when when you look at Timo Werner's assist record, it is actually very impressive. Um, it's not only the goals. Josh, um, let me just pick you up on something you said there. You said that Dian Kulusevski you thought was poor. And Postacoglu, after the Brighton game, said that these players are very tired playing in this very intense system. Um, is it fair to say players' performances are poor or is it just because they are doing so much more under this manager than what they were before? I think it's one of two things, right? Yes, of course, tiredness is going to affect, you know, how players play. I I get that. It's going to affect your decision-making. It's going to affect, you know, when I'm sure we've all said this before, but, you know, there have been questions being asked of whether it's just a first-half team. Certainly when we went through that run of going 1-0 up, not killing games and then losing. Um, but 
it's because just... because sorry to interrupt let, let me just say under Maurizio Pochettino it seemed that as time went on he was he was kind of obsessed with the fitness and you know under Pochettino, we always scored last-minute goals. We went right to the very end because it just seemed that we were a lot more fitter than everybody else. Do you think it's going to get to that stage? Do you think by the end of the season, all of these players will be so much fitter than they've ever been before in their careers? But then the other thing that I wanted to mention is because they are doing so much running um, and it is so intense, we've had so many injuries, particularly hamstring injuries. Is that an issue for you? It is a little bit. You know, what What I would say is this. Look, not everyone in that squad is going to be capable of playing this system. Not everyone in this squad currently is capable of playing that system. And the ones that aren't will go. They will go. Angie's ruthless like that. They will not stay at the club. Um, I think next season we'll be looking at a squad where they're all capable of running. And they're all capable of doing the work. It is an intense system. But my question is, is Dejan Kulusevski, and this is going to be controversial... But is Dejan Kulusevski one of those players that is good for this system? Is he one of those players that will make the cut? And I don't mean that to be critical of Kulusevski, who I think is a very good player. But if a better player becomes available in the summer, would I be open to selling Kulusevski to get a better suited player in? Jury's out, but potentially... And I know that's controversial to say, and I have no issue with Kulusevski. I think he's a good player. I just question what is his best position for this system? I think he looks much better in the 10, personally. Mm. Is he going to start in the 10 when Madison is fit? No. Is he going to become a bench player? If we can keep Kulusevski as a squad player, absolutely, you've got to keep him. But is he going to be happy with that? I don't know. Um, I, I just don't think he's got the pace. I don't think he's got the pace and the stamina to play on the wing or the versatility in terms of using both feet. And of course, sometimes he does use his right foot once in a blue moon and he tends to do good things with it. But he is a very kind of one-sided player, loves to just use his left foot and he becomes quite predictable. And I think that, you know, with someone like Kulusevski, there's that question mark for me. And in this system, I see someone, you know, and, and one of our biggest issues for me this season has been the fact that we're probing around the box. We're going to the box and we're trying to score this perfect ticky-tacker goal that yeah. is, is yeah. running out of space. And the only way that you can break that down is by having direct players who run at defenders because that naturally forces the defenders out of position and they have to cover for one another. It creates holes. So for me, who's a far more suited player for Angie's system and for what we want to do, it's a Michael Elise at Crystal Palace. That's the mm. kind of player I want to see at the right wing. That's not to say Kulusevski shouldn't play, but for me, I'd rather see him in the ten. Um, in terms of the injuries, yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Yes, of course, the, the, the style of play doesn't help. That's going to be a factor. Um, you're demanding a lot physically from these players, but I don't think that any of that is going to be as big a challenge as when you've got idiots stopping the game for four or five minutes, six minutes a half. We're having three-minute pauses to decide something that when we look at it at a screen, it's clear and obvious that it's not clear and obvious and you shouldn't be intervening or it's clear and obvious what, what is going on and they're still analysing and analysing, you know. 
Van der Ven's injury for me was 100% caused by the fact that he'd been running. It was a bloody cold night. We'd had about three, four minutes of stoppages and it was his first sprint. And I think that maybe, yeah, okay, there's an element of our medical staff could probably be better. Our fitness coaches could probably do a bit better and they need to find ways to adapt around this. Perhaps it's a case of when the VAR stoppages happen, we get the players doing a bit of light jogging, a bit of light work, keep them moving around. But then when you're expanding so much energy in your game anyway, do you want to burn more? It's it's a balance that we've got to strike. But yeah, it, it's one of those. I, I think that having options at least and building a bigger squad is what's going to be key to getting through this going forward. Well, building a bigger squad is exactly what Anthony Postacoglu wants. Um, he was asked the other day um, about Eric Dyer, and it looks like he's going to be going out the door. We'll come on to him shortly, Josh. Um, but Radu Dragusin, um, it seems that we have been linked with him for some time now. It seems forever to some people, because some people are just saying, just pay the money, get this deal over the line. It has literally just been reported in the last half an hour or so. Um, John Luca Damasio has stated that Spurs are now offering Genoa um, 25 million euros plus bonuses. Um, Spurs were originally offering 23 million euros, but Genoa are still wanting the 30 million euros. Fabrizio Romano in the last hour or so has said that Tottenham have had new positive talks with Genoa uh, for Dragusin. Um, the deal has advanced into final stages of the negotiations. Spurs hope to get this deal done next week um, as talks continue. It's all verbal proposals waiting for the final official bid. And uh, of course, um, Dragusin played for Genoa in their 1-1 draw on Friday evening at Bologna in Syria A. Um, first of all, your opinions on the defender um, and how confident are you that this deal was going to get over the line? Because Spurs don't seem that concerned. It has been reported uh, in a number of outlets that Spurs don't seem con concerned that Napoli are interested in the 21-year-old. Yes. Yeah, so, look, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not going to be one of those people that have said I've seen lots of this player because I haven't. What I've yeah. seen is I saw him play against Inter and I thought he was very, very good. And, um, you know, and that's, I think, a good litmus test because Inter is by a mile the best team in Italy at the minute. Um, obviously scoring a goal in that game as well. And then it, it's been YouTube compilations and things. So I, I, I want to be cautious in what I say about him because I'm no expert on him. I've been seeking advice from other people that have watched him a lot more to see what they think of him. Um, my initial thoughts were... And I and I quote, he looks like he's had his Weetabix, I think was the first thing that I said to someone about him when I was asked, what do you think about him? Because the guy is just, it's, I, there was talk about Luke Littler during the darts, him being 16 years old. Well, I'm not sure, I'm sure you will, will have seen, there was that photo that circulated around social media of Dragosim when he was at Juventus with uh, Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky. This was a very mature-looking 18-year-old Dragosin who looked, you know, and, and Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky had these baby faces and Dragosin looked exactly the same. Um, it's crazy what 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 genes can do. Um, but what I see is someone that is different to what we have currently in our offering as a defender. This is a huge physical specimen that is pretty quick pretty dynamic but more than anything it's uh 
it's a bit more of a throwback defender. It's one of those guys that it looks, you know, from what I've seen, it looks like there were there were question marks about his passing. I think his passing seems to be fine. Uh, the Genoa system is a very negative system that doesn't really allow for much expansion out the back. It's kind of you get rid um, or you, you play a long ball, which is always going to be, you know, risky in terms of percentiles. But what I'm seeing is this is a guy that's going to win the aerial battles. This is a guy that is going to be physical. He is going to, you know, ruffle feathers. He's going to be able to compete against the likes of Erling Haaland and, you know, the Ollie Watkins and the Dominic Solanke's of this league, the Darwin Nunez's, you know, the big guys up top, the Isaacs. You know, this is a guy that can compete toe-to-toe with the big guys. He's quick enough to chase them down and he's physical enough to to deal with them. I've not seen a huge amount of him, you know, playing out the back. I've not seen how he's going to suit the system. But what I do see is a player that's got a lot of potential and clearly wants him. Um, and, and the fans obviously clearly want him as well. But more importantly, the thing that I keep getting told is that he wants Tottenham. He wants this move to the Premier League. That is why Spurs are not worried about it, because he can go to Spurs and there's a chance he's not going to start. Or he's going to go to Napoli and he's probably not going to start as well. And you look down the line, Vlad Kirikes has played at the club. We like to laugh about him as Spurs fans, but... You know, in Romanian football, he's a big fish or was a big fish. Um, you know, the Premier Josh, League... Can I, can, I, can I just interrupt there? It's very yeah. different when a player is constantly on the team sheet in the starting eleven, and then they go to a Premier League club like Spurs. And then when Mickey van der Ven and Christian Romero are both fit and available, you're then going to be sitting on the bench. Surely, as a 21-year-old who, you know, at 21, you're very, very hungry. You want to be playing every single game. And when you're used to playing every game, how's that going to be for a young player like that? And how much game time do you think you'll get if he does come in at Tottenham? But we've got Romero out for, I think, four more weeks. Van der Ven's just been out injured. Look at the way that the season has gone. There are going to be games that he will play. And I think that actually what we're seeing here is we're seeing a player that is so confident in his abilities, he thinks he can get into that starting 11. Otherwise, he wouldn't take the move. And we see this all the time with players. We see players that risk, you know, everything to go to a bigger club because they're confident in their abilities. The guy wouldn't have come through at Juventus if he wasn't good enough. The guy wouldn't, you know, be wanted by Napoli, the Italian champions, and wanted by Spurs. Um, you know, to the point where Spurs are prepared to do this deal in this window and not in the summer, because that would have been classic Spurs is, oh, yeah, OK, we like him, but we're going to wait until the summer and then we lose the player altogether. You know, he is clearly good enough that Ange wants him. He wants the move. Um, yes, it's a risk. Every transfer is a risk. I'm not having that really. The kind of, you know, of course, he's going to want to play every game. But he's knowing that he's not playing at Genoa anymore. If he wants to play in the Champions League and he wants to reach the top of the game, he's going to have to earn his place in a bigger side. So that's what this comes down to. Again, it's a mentality thing. I'm sure Ange will have had his Zoom call again with Dragosin. I'm absolutely positive of that. Um, Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be progressing with the deal. And, you know, it's again, this is the thing. Ange is building a team of mentality monsters. He absolutely is. Look at Vicario, look at Porro, Udogi, Saar, 
you know, Sonny, um, Madison. Look at the players we've got at this club. Now, the squad that we are building. You know, you're not coming to Spurs unless your mentality is elite. You're not coming to Spurs unless you're confident in your abilities and you're prepared to fight to play in the shirt. You know, so the thing that I keep getting told is he wants this move. And that is why Spurs are not worried. Um, I understand that, you know, it's one of those deals that it's, you know, fans get nervous about it because we've been here before. I understand the scepticism. And we'll want him in the squad in time. And we'll want him at the club and training in time for Manchester United. Because we yeah. don't have Romero. And there is a chance that if Dragasin was to come in, say, you know, say a fee was agreed tomorrow and he was at the club by Wednesday. And he trains hard. He could be starting that game because Van der Ven's just come back from injury. There's no guarantee he's ready to start yet. And may not think he's ready to start yet. So Dragerson, who's fit and ready to go, could be chucked in the deep end at Old Trafford. And it's going to be sink or swim. But Ange will want the player in before that. And I think that that's the position that we're at with Dragerson. is Dragerson knows he could come to Spurs. His first game could be Man United. If he has a blinder, he'll be staying in that team. Quite possibly. So, Ange is ruthless, as we've seen. That's the other thing that is so good about Ange, is he is ruthless. And if Dragerson is outperforming Romero and he's outperforming Van der Ven in training and he's outperforming Davis, he will be in that team. Um, you know, and we've been playing Davis and Emerson Royale. And I think the natural thing is that Emerson Royale is going to come out of the team. Dragerson can come to the club. He will step straight in. And we might be looking, at least for the next few weeks, at Dragerson and, and Van der Ven. You know, and that's not to discredit Ben Davis, but in terms of the pace and in terms of the game that Ange wants to play, it's more suited, isn't it? So um, in terms of the fee, 25 plus add-ons, of course, some of that is going to be subject to qualifying for the Champions League. Of course, you sign a player like Dragerson because you believe he can get you into the Champions League. So... Yeah. Genoa are confident of his abilities. Spurs are clearly confident of his abilities, as is Ange. So you're almost guaranteeing yourself that fee there or thereabouts that Genoa are looking for anyway. So I think that that's the compromise they will probably come to. It may be one million euros here or there in between. That might be a sell-on clause. It might be something like that. Who knows? You know, we've seen with the Van de Ven deal, the Van de Ven deal could end up reaching, you know, upwards of 40, close to 50 million pounds if, all of the add-ons are met. Um, so it's going to be a similar structured deal. So I don't think Genoa are going to lose out. They're going to need the money. I mean, it's game-changing money for a club like Genoa. Um, yeah, I think, again, this is one we should really pay close attention to and, and you know, look with intrigue because, yeah, like I say, I've not watched a huge amount of him, but there's nothing that I've seen or heard from those that have that sounds alarming or sounds like we shouldn't be excited. So, you know, bring it on. Josh, the Daily Mail um, reported earlier today that um, Loic Abade, um, Spurs are now keen on signing him. Of course, he plays for Sevilla at the moment. Um, of course, Ange Postacoglu wants defensive reinforcements. Do you think that this story has come out um, just to try and get the Dragusin deal done uh, quicker? If if, uh, if if they think that Spurs are interested in someone else? Um, there's going to be some of it. Uh, you know, frankly, it's one, of the, it's one of those things that you're constantly looking at several 
players, right, at once. They're not. They're, they're, there was a list of about 10 strikers that Spurs have been considering. Same thing goes for centre-backs. And in case, you know, they can't reach an agreement, in case the player has a sudden change of heart, you know, things can change. We're talking about this right now. From what I understand, uh, Timo Werner is en route or has just arrived in London. This is tonight when he's meant to be coming. Um, you know, things, stranger things have happened. You've got to have backup options. And I think that where we're at is, okay, there's a bit of noise about this. Someone said something, but, you know, with all transfers, it's a combination of things. You've got interest from the players, people involved with the club, hearing things, hearsay, mates that work at the club, they give a little bit of info. You've also got players, agents and players that are looking to drum up interest in their 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 player to get a move. So if they have, you know, if they've got good terms with a journalist, and this is not, I'm not saying this about Bade, this is just a general point. If a particular agent has a strong relationship with a journalist, they may, you know, leak certain information that is, you know, looks a lot more serious or a lot more advanced than it is perhaps um, to drum up that interest in that player. And as a result, the trade-off is that the agent will give more information, etc. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's early stages. There's nothing in it. I'm sure they're monitoring the player. He's been really impressive under Kike Sanchez-Flores, the former Watford manager uh, at Sevilla this season. Uh, of course, he was at Nottingham Forest, didn't make an appearance uh, for them. Um, that, 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 that's what I was going to say, Josh. Doesn't that make it even more surprising that Tottenham are interested in a player like this that didn't even get a game for Forest in the first half of last season? Of course, but the guy has, you know, I don't think we can start judging players on how they performed last season, which is exactly why we can't be judging Timo Werner for what he did at Chelsea. We've got to be judging players on the here and now. And right now he's playing some good stuff and he's a young, exciting player. I believe he's got a release clause in uh, along the lines of around 50 to 55 million pounds, um, which I don't see Spurs meeting uh, at all. Um, I, I think that the other thing that we need to bear in mind, remember Tottenham were interested in Eve Basuma um, and there was reports about Eve Basuma. We signed him in the summer, but from what I understand, that deal was agreed in January. So Spurs are not just looking at the here and now and opportunities now. They're looking at the summer. They're looking beyond that. So this is a name that's come out. And I I, I don't expect Spurs to make a, a move for him and Dragusin. I, I, and I don't, I can't see for the life of me, Bade joining uh, at Spurs this January. I think this is a player that Spurs are monitoring um, and are looking at, but it's one that if Spurs were to make a move, it's likely to be in the summer if, you know, the, the environment is right. And let's not, let's not, um, you know, rule out as well. And this is another thing to throw in the mix. And I'm not saying Romero's going to leave the club, which sounds crazy when I, I say it like that, but, in the next year or two, depending on what happens, if we don't win trophies or if it doesn't quite go to plan, we're going to have to have contingency plans. And there is a chance that a player like Romero might decide he wants to go to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona if the opportunity presented itself. You know, we've got to be thinking about these things as well. Of course, Spurs, you know, want to focus on the here and now. But 
I think this is a one for the future. I don't think we should be we should be reading into this one too much now. It's just just rumoured interest. Jimmy James writes now, is Conor Gallagher a realistic signing for Tottenham? That's exactly uh, where I was going to go next. Um, of course, Josh, that um, he has been linked with a move to Tottenham um, in the last couple of windows. The latest reports are stating that Spurs were quoted £50 million in the summer. Uh, Postacoglu is a huge fan of the player and Chelsea are now quoting £60 million. Fabrizio Romano has stated that no contact has taken place between Tottenham and Chelsea, which is not a surprise to me. I'd be surprised if these clubs do business um, at any time, let alone in this January transfer window. Um, what do you make of um, the Conor Gallagher links? Because it does appear that Foster Coglu is a huge fan of the player. Absolutely. Um, I, I remember going on to just about every single group chat and speaking to everyone that, you know, everyone messaging me about it when the Demarcio rumours came out and then Almeida. Um, and I said, Everyone is falling for utter nonsense. There is no way Spurs are on the verge of signing Conor Gallagher, which was what was being reported. Well, Todd, Todd, no... Todd, Bo Todd Bowley has done some strange things at Chelsea. You know, they spent yeah. so much money. I tell you what, this would be very, very strange if they did business with Tottenham, wouldn't it? No, I actually don't think it would because... Really? Under Abramovich, yes. Under Todd Bowley, nothing surprises me. I, I think nothing surprises me. I think there's a lot of um, fan fiction about player clubs, rival clubs, not doing business with one another. But we've seen clubs. How many examples have we seen of players moving to rival clubs? If Chelsea's prepared to do business with Arsenal, why wouldn't they be prepared to do business with Tottenham? Arsenal. It's different. It's different, Josh. It is. It is. But I don't think that comes into this. I really don't. Um, but. Yeah, with Conor Gallagher, it's a player Ange does like. I really like him as well. I think he's been actually one of, if not the standout for Chelsea this season, which makes the whole thing even more weird. It was a player that we did have a genuine interest in during the summer. It's a player that we did explore trying to make a late move for in the summer from what I've been told. But they were quoting, DiMarzio was quoting around £35 million, which is just utter tripe. Um, yeah, I, I think where we're at with that is stranger things have happened. But if, if that was ever going to happen, it would be a deadline day. Things have moved. They have to move him on Chelsea. And... You know, it, it's a convenience deal and it works for Spurs. It works for the player. It, it's that kind of thing. Because if you're Conor Gallagher, would you rather go to Spurs or would you rather go to, you know, Newcastle or or, or Crystal Palace? I think it's as much as Newcastle were in the Champions League this year, I think it's, it's kind of an obvious choice. Um, and again, I don't see a situation where Tottenham would spend that money unless they were to sell Pierre-Emile Hoybier this yeah. winter. I think that's the moving part. Um, and with Saar and Bissouma gone uh, for, for now, I think it's too much of a risk to sell Pierre-Emile Hoybier this window. Um, certainly in a deal like this where, you know, it can all go peaked on very quickly. So I think if Spurs were going to make a move for a midfielder, Yes, there is genuine interest. 
I think it's unlikely, but I don't think it's impossible. I, I, I just think that, that we're more likely to see another name come out of the woodwork in this window that we're not talking about yet. It could be another, you know, another Timo Werner type situation where Spurs do that as opposed to, uh, as opposed to, um, to Colin Gallagher. I, ju- I just don't see it. Uh, that's not to say it can't happen. Someone saying Hoybier better than Skip. I, I tend to agree um, in, in this system. We'll come on to talk about Pierre-Emi Hoybier in a second with possible outgoings. But um, one more player um, that is constantly being linked to Tottenham uh, and has been for some time, Josh, is Jota. Um, of course, he went uh, from Celtic to the Saudi League. It hasn't worked out for him there. Um, do you think there's any possibility of Spurs bringing in Jota now that we're bringing in Timo Werner? Well, firstly, uh, it's amazing that a Portuguese winger looks so Australian with that mullet and moustache. It looks, he looks, he, he, not only was he excellent under Ange at Celtic, but put him at Spurs. I mean, it, he, he fits the part, doesn't he? He's a tremendous well, player. Well, you're, because... you're, you're, doing, you're doing Australian accent. You're coming on here saying moving parts. You're stealing words from Ange. You're becoming more Australian when you come on here. Oh, no, I know. It's bad. <laughs> I, I'm not even thinking about doing it. I'm not even consciously doing it. But it's, you know, he look, he he's a tremendous player. We know what he can do. People that have seen him play for Celtic, you know, are constantly, you know, they're wowed by him. If you haven't seen him, he's incredibly tricky player. Great on both feet. Very direct. We were talking about Elise. I, I was saying he's the type of player I'd like to see in that right wing role. Well, Jota is very much the same in terms of he loves to run at players. It, there was a, I know <laughs> it's one of those things because it's, you know, it's, it's Celtic in the Champions League and gone are the days of Neil Lennon and them getting a result in Europe. But um, I remember they held Real Madrid to a nil-nil win in the first half. And that's the only way you can describe it. Um and Jota ran them ragged. He absolutely, he, he made he made them really, really struggle. So, you know, he's proven he can do it against good defences. It's not worked at, at, at had. It's not worked in the Saudi Pro League. We're seeing a lot of this going on now. A lot of players that went there and were super happy to go there. It's all unravelling with the Saudi Pro League. Uh, Mail, Mail Sport exclusive yesterday, Jordan Henderson wants to return to the Premier League. Now, that's would you have him at Tottenham? I would have him at Tottenham. 100% I'd have him at Tottenham. As much as he's one of those players that's kind of like, okay, he might not be fashionable. If you're going to lose a Pierre-Emile Hoybier, there's no doubting the guy's experience. The guy's won Premier League, Champions League. England, he's a leader. You know, yeah. he knows some of the boys there. I think it would be a no-brainer um, to have him if the opportunity arose. But yeah, with Jota... Again, it's one of those later in the window, we're still trying to work out whether he's going to leave on a free or not. There were reports, by the way, uh, we were reporting it at Mail Sport all the way back in October, early November time, that he was set to be released by Al Itihad. Uh, you know, and there were reports from the Middle East and reports from Saudi about this. And they've been going on for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and yet he's still there. So there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on. It's a very weird situation, but I, I wouldn't rule this one out. I don't think it's unrealistic, but at the same time, again, Spurs aren't going to spend money on him, I don't think. 
um, or if we do, it will be for a very low fee. And, and I think what we're waiting on now is, is Alitihad, are they going to release him? Are they not? Uh, and once we know, is it going to be a loan deal with an obligation to buy? Is it going to, you know, when we work out, you know, what is actually realistic in terms of the structuring of the deal, then th- then we'll know. Jota, mm-hmm. it's undeniable Ange loves him. It's undeniable he would be just that kind of player that we're looking for. Um, and, and I think, again, sorry to use the moving parts uh, phrase, but I think, again, what matters here is Brian Hill. Is Brian Hill going to get a loan or a permanent move? And I think in this case, if we're going to go for Jota, it would need to be a permanent move for Brian Hill to, to facilitate this. But absolutely, people asking about him all the time. Great player. I would love to see him at Spurs. Um, but yeah, again, lots of lots of things that need to happen first. Josh, I know we haven't got a lot of time left, but I've got a lot of players to ask you about. So um, perhaps give me a little, you know, some shorter answers on these ones. Yeah, um, Brian Hill, you, you mentioned him there. Um, is he going to be happy with the amount of game time that he's going to get at Spurs? Because even with Timo Werner coming in now, surely that's going to limit his game time under Postacoglu. He's not had that much game time already under um, the Australian boss. And of course, he's had a hard time at Tottenham. You know, he's never really had that many uh, runs in the team. Is he going to be looking for a loan move, do you think? Or or a permanent one? It's written in the stars for him to go back to Spain, isn't it? You know, he's so highly rated in Spain. He was tremendous at Valencia. He impressed when he was uh, at Sevilla, you know, and it just, it, it's it's one of those things that's a real shame because he has everything that you want out of a winger, but he doesn't have the physicality. He's got the build of a child. So unfortunately, and again, when he came on against Burnley, I thought he looked bright. When he came on against Brighton, I thought he was superb. You know, I really like him as a footballer and I, you know, have nothing but good things to say about Brian Hill. Issue is, is he going to get the game time? No, because he is not physical enough for the Premier League. And I don't think you can, I don't think you can, you can just get a player to, to change their their body type, their genetics is very difficult. So for me, what I want to see is I want to see Spurs sell Brian Hill as much as I do like him and I would love him as a bench option. And he, it's like you can use him in the FA Cup and it's great, but Premier League's a different thing. I think we can get a fee for him because I think that he is good enough to command a fee. And I think that what I would look at doing potentially and what I can see happening is a loan with an obligation to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how he performs in the team, we'll see. Um, Sheila, I, I'm not going to pronounce the surname because I'm going to butcher it, but says, feel sorry for Brian Hill. He's trying his best. And I think that sums up how we're all feeling about him, really. I don't think anyone can fault his attitude and his, uh, you know, his, his application. But yeah. physically, he's not got it for me. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see him go back to Spain and I'd like to see him have a really good career. I'd like to see him, you know, maybe even push and get into that Spain side eventually, you know, because I think he possesses some uh, tremendous skill. And I love how direct he is as a footballer. 
But yeah, it's just, it's sadly one of those that it, it was kind of wonder kid that's not quite worked out for us. Um, but that's not to say he's not going to have a great career. Josh, in the last couple of hours, Fabrizio Romano stated that um, Spurs are now looking at um, possible deals for Jed Spence, uh, another loan, because, of course, he re returned from Leeds United. Uh, Daniel Fark was very unhappy with him, uh, attitude, professionalism, etc. What do you make of this situation? Because um, without being rude, it just seems like another Tongi on Dombele. I know this was a club signing, you know, using the phrase there from Antonio Conte. Um Again, it seems like a player with so much talent, but he's going to waste. Yeah, look, and, and this is down to the player. Ultimately, when you're having successive managers saying this, you've had Neil Warnock fall out with him. You've had um, Chris Wilder fall out with him. You've had the only manager that has actually got on with him is Steve Cooper. And that's saying something. He, he didn't work for Conte. He didn't work. He's not working for Ange. There's a reason for that. And for Spurs, it's as simple as this now. He doesn't have a future at the club. I can't see it. I would say with 90, probably 97, 98% certainty, he doesn't have a future at the club. We'll never have a future at the club. This is about finding the right deal so that he can hopefully find a manager that he can connect with and that he can get on with. And we can squeeze a transfer fee out of him in the summer. That's what this is about. It's as simple as that. I'd like to see him go somewhere like Luton, perhaps, because I feel like Rob Edwards is the type of manager that he reminds me a little bit of Steve Cooper in the way that he seems to approach things. He seems to be a great man manager. I've got a lot of time for Rob Edwards. And just in a team like Luton, where it's full of players that are there to kind of prove a point where on paper they're not good enough or they've had troubled spells. Just look at Ross Barkley. He's had a bit of a troubled time. He's been a revelation yeah. for them. I, yeah. I think that's the type of club I'd love to see Jed Spencer. And I'm going to extend that and say, I'd like to see us recall Jaffet Tanganga again. I'd like to see Luton be the type of club that you send someone like Tanganga to uh, for similar reasons. Obviously, different personal issues. He's been more injury issues. But, you know, that's exactly the type of club when I'm looking at kind of some of these young English players where it's not quite working for whatever reason. Uh, that's the type of, of club. And I'd also love to see Luton stay up because I think it'd just be a great story. But yeah, that that for me is it's as simple as that with Jez Spence. No future at Spurs. Can we try and get a fee for him? Yeah, it's an interesting one with Tanganga, what will happen with his future, because of course he's had no game time in, in Germany since signing on loan uh, in the summer. Sergio Reglon is another player that has returned from a loan spell at Manchester United this week, Josh. Um, I've seen reports uh, suggesting that he's being linked with Bournemouth, uh, Dortmund and Lazio. Um, another player you don't think has got a future under Ange? I like Regulon. It's weird. It's one of them that a lot of people don't. I kind of do. I remember you. we, we had this conversation in the summer and you didn't think Regulon would be at the club at all. And do, you know, do, do, you know, do you know what though, Josh? I think hats off to... Uh, Postacoglu, because when we spoke in the summer and when we spoke about players, you know, having futures at Tottenham, um, it's great that Postacoglu gave or has given everybody an equal chance to prove themselves and and say, look, what can you do, and whether you're going to be part of my plans or not. And it, and and like you said earlier, it's up to the player to grab the opportunity, and clearly he hasn't. Absolutely, but Reguilon, I remember he was absolutely superb against Barcelona. 
absolutely superb against Barcelona in that friendly before he pulled his hamstring. And and actually, having just thought about that now, that was the uh, that was the forecast of what was to come with our injury problems, wasn't it? Uh, and that was in pre-season. But Reguilon, I don't think he's done a terrible job at Man United at all. I don't think he's done a bad job. It was always a short-term loan. It was always pretty much because they were desperate for someone when Luke Shaw was injured. Luke Shaw is back. Um, therefore, he's not needed really anymore. He would just be sat on the bench doing kind of what he's doing at Spurs. Uh, from what I understand, Dortmund is the club with the, the most interest in him. And Spurs yeah. are very keen to let him go out on loan again. Not yeah. a permanent deal. It could be a loan with an obligation. It could be a loan with an option. Who knows? But again, is this a player that Spurs want to, if he goes to the right club, again, Reguilon, I don't think is a bad player. And I never didn't rate him. I, I, I've always thought he has the attributes and he can be a very good player. I think he needs to improve his defensive side of his game. Sure. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. But... He reminds me a lot of what Porro was like last season. And in terms of the kind of the weighting of his game from attack to defence. And so if he can go to the right club and he can find a bit of confidence, find a bit of form, then I would absolutely love to see us have him at the club as, you know, they're competing with Destiny Adogi. But the problem that we've got is if, if Regulon wants to be a regular starter at a football club and he wants to really resurrect his career and be at the level that he was at when he was at Sevilla, that's not going to happen at Spurs because we've got a generational talent, at left back. Mm. So it's one of those now where, again, are we going to, are we going to get a fee out of him by him having a good loan spell? Because for me, the best it's going to be for Reguilon at Spurs, even if he does improve, is he's going to be a backup which is yeah. great for squad depth, but players probably not going to want that. So, so yeah, it's one of them. I, I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he does at a club like, um, at a club like Dortmund. But to be honest, I'd much rather see him at, at Bournemouth under Anthony Iriola. I think that's exactly the kind of manager that, that could get the best out of him. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to see with that one. Lots of clubs interested for a reason. Um, so yeah, I, I fully expect him to go out on loan. I think sometimes, um, you know, it must be decided by the club and the player that, you know, it is time to move on. Um, Ange Postacoglu said the other day about Ivan Perisic that he's un unlikely to play for us again because, of course, his ACL injury, which is uh, a big shame because I feel like Perisic could have made a real difference this season, certainly with the injury we've had. Josh, I want to talk a little bit about Pierre Mihoybier and Eric Dyer. You know, these two are probably going to go out in this January transfer window if, uh, a decent offer for Pierre Mihorbier comes in and if Spurs get a replacement. But Eric Dyer and Postacoglu said on Friday evening in a press conference, probably a big surprise to most. Um, when he was asked a question about Ben Davis, can you afford to let Eric Dyer go out in this January transfer window with Ben Davis injured? And he paused and then said, yes. It is very obvious. You know, we've spoken at length about Eric Dyer before possibly going out the door. Many managers have backed Eric Dyer. Many managers have loved Eric Dyer. And Postacoglu, clearly from the very start, has not loved Eric Dyer. He came into the team for the first time this season um, in that Chelsea game, um, where I suppose we didn't have any choice. Um, do you expect Dyer to now go 
out to buy Munich. And I tell you what, this again would be some superb business, in my opinion, that Spurs get any money for him because his contract expires in the summer. When's his testimonial? <laughs> um, look, it, it, it's clear he doesn't work for Ange Postecoglou. He's not quick at all. So therefore, it's not going to work. Dragosin quick, Van der Ven quick, Romero pretty quick. You know, Ben Davis is going to be the next one on the list that's going to go eventually because he's not quick enough. Um, so, look, I don't rate Eric Dyer as a footballer. I really don't. I think Eric Dyer in central midfield was absolutely cooking under Poch. But he also had Moussa Dembele next to him and Victor Wanyama. So I think it's, yeah, questionable anyway. Um, I loved Eric Dyer when he joined. He's given us some great times down the years. I'll never forget his debut goal. As far as debut goals go, it's yep. up there with one of the best. Um, you know, especially at the at, at the at Upton Park as well. Not just not the Olympic Stadium, but at a ground that was much tougher to go to. Look, it's a great bit of business. It's like Werner. It's win-win for Spurs. You're getting him off your books. He's on pretty high wages. You can get him off the books. It's not working for Dyer. It's a win for the player because he gets to go uh, try something different. It's not like he's not played in a in a in an international league before. Obviously, came through the ranks at Sporting Lisbon, so he's probably one of those players that's open minded to trying something. I could have seen him playing in Serie A. I could have seen him playing in in another league, you know. And it keeps Harry Kane happy at, at Bayern Munich because they're they're good friends and. You know, they're of the same age. They've been there together. It keeps gives Harry Kane another person to talk to in the hotel. But also, at the same time, it gives Eric Dyer, importantly, an opportunity to win something before he retires. Not to say he wouldn't win you, something. You, first, you know, but... Josh, that's going to that's going to be clipped, that is. Bayern Munich want to sign Eric Dyer, so Harry Kane's got someone to talk to in the hotel, not because of his footballing skills. <laughs> well, no, come on. Let's, let's be realistic. <laughs> Eric Dyer... Is not a player that he's not a. I don't think he's technically bad on the ball at all. I think he's actually pretty competent on the ball, but he's just not suited for this. He's not suited for 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 Ange ball. He's not suited for for Premier League football anymore. Um, and you know, for me, I think he's more suited to the MLS um, or the Saudi Pro League. But you know, there it is. You know, I, I wish him all the best. I have no. I think he is, it's clear he's leaving the club, um, you know, but I, I hope that if he does get one more game for Spurs or if he does get maybe maybe secretly that appearance off the bench um, <laughs> the other week was his little goodbye send off subtly. Uh, who knows? But I, I hope that, you know, Spurs fans get off his back once he does leave the club, because I've certainly been one of the fans that's on his back. But. You know, he has been a great servant to the club. But yeah, clearly, clearly, <laughs> I, I'm just amazed that Eric Dyer, out of all of this, is managing yeah. to fall upwards. That's the thing yeah. that baffles me. He, he yeah. goes to a bigger club that has a bigger reputation, wins trophies. He'll come back with probably a title or, or, or so this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we might not even kick a ball, but it, incredible, really. Um, but yeah, wish him all the best. Uh, Hoybier, we've got to keep him if we're not going to bring in someone of equal quality. He's a player that, for me, okay, I think he he seems disinterested. Is the vibe that I'm getting from Hoybier watching him? 
can, can, can I just say, Josh, Hoybier, um, I go down and do a video via the tunnel. I, when the when the players are coming off the pitch, I tell you what, it's really really interesting to see who shakes hands with who, who celebrates with who, um, who talks to who. It's really really interesting to watch. That is, and uh, Pierre Muhoibier all season, particularly the last couple of games, he walks down that tunnel on his own first. All of the other players are celebrating. The only two players, in my opinion, and uh, you know, make your own opinions. Go and watch the videos; they are available on YouTube. Eric Dyer and Pierre Mihoibier are the two players that don't really mix with the celebrations. They're down the tunnel. Yeah. Um, so, from from what I understand, Hoibier does get along with a number of the players, particularly the South American players. Um, he gets on particularly well with with Romero, Gio, and and, and Benton Core, from what I understand, um, and and Perisic too. But but the problem is, you know, it's clear that it's not working for him. This is a guy that started every single game for club and country in every competition for about three years in a row. This is yeah. a guy who kind of mentally has all of the traits you'd want in this squad. He is a mentality monster. He wants to win things. He's got the application and the, the mindset that you'd want. But physically isn't suiting this team because he's not nimble enough. I don't think he's technical enough. And I don't think he's a bad passer. He's actually surprisingly amongst the top five most progressive passers in the Premier League, um, which is a really interesting stat. But... For me, what's happening here is he's kind of being shunted out the door a little bit because Papsar is doing a tremendous job and Rodrigo Bentoncourt is, is yeah. mustard. So Bentoncourt fit is yeah. a cut above anyone we've had for me since Moussa Dembele. He's that, he's on that, you know, it's like I would have loved to see what would have happened if you put Bentoncourt in that kind of prime Pochettino team but you know Saar has kind of cemented a place when he's fit Madison will play when he's fit Bentoncourt you've got Lacelso who still wants to fight there's too many there's too many you've got Skip who wants to be there and is happy to be there because he spurs through and through with Hoybier this is a guy that isn't happy sitting on the bench he wants to go and win things. He wants to go and compete. He wants to go and play matches. He's got his, he's of the age in his career now where he's thinking, you know, I'm probably, I've probably got one more big move in my career before my career starts to wind down a little bit, you know, and this is not helping me. So yeah, I think the, 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 the body language says it all. And I think actually the application in the last few games, not that he's, been terrible or anything because I, I think he's been one of those players that is criminally underrated by our fan base and also criminally um, overly criticised as well. Um, yes, he's made mistakes. Yes, I don't think he he suits this team. But yeah, I, I think it's clearly a, a vibe that's not not right there. And if you can cash in on him before the end of the window, given that he's, his contract expires in 2025, you know, this is the time to do it, really, because he's not going to extend the deal. So we're not going to this. This is the time to maximise, you know, your profits off of him. Um, and I think you probably can make a profit off of him, but it's about bringing the right player in. And for me, 
Hoybier is too good a player to let go unless you have a player that is going to be better than Hoybier coming straight yeah. into the team. A Connor Gallagher. Yeah. You, uh, one one thing I'd like to make clear is I I am not questioning uh, Pierre Muhoibier's professionalism because he's a true professional and he's he's done a job under Postecoglou and and just got on with it um, and hasn't complained about it. Although his body language is a bit off. Um, Josh, last couple of questions for you. Um, Ryan Sessegnon returned after eleven months out, came on as a sub against Burnley. Now in the summer, before injuries, it looked like he was going to go out on loan. Do you think that's likely now that he's come back? A loan move in January? I, I'm i really not sure because I think ultimately it depends how he's training. And, and, you know, you have more access than most in terms of being able to go and see things that, you know, perhaps the ordinary fan doesn't get to see. But, you know, ultimately, if he's training really well, you know, we we know what happens if there's injuries or suspensions. You know, and we've seen our squad at bare bones. It's the kind of player that you want to be able to rely upon if he is fully fit. He's had a terrible time of it, though, and it, he's come back from a long injury. I must say I was really surprised to see him in the squad. Mm. Um, the uh, the admin team, the social media team at Spurs have been superb at not showing much of the injured yeah. players to kind of, you know, like Benton Core's appearance. I think people were, were hearing about this because his, his wife... Um, yeah. did a post um, on, on Instagram stories. Um, yeah, I, I think, look, if he if he can, if he's at a level where he can compete, I don't think there's any harm in him competing. But, you know, for me, can we get a loan for him? I would like to see him loaned. I would like to see him loaned. But uh, it, it really depends on where he's at with his fitness, where he's at in terms of his training Ultimately, Angie is going to be the judge of that. And I think that, you know, I would call that a very fluid situation. And I think that whatever Ange wants, Ange gets uh, with regards to that. And I'm sure there are several clubs, possibly including Fulham, uh, that would, would love to uh, would love to have him on loan for, for six months at least. Josh, just wanted to ask you about Richarlison. Um, Saudi League are sniffing around Richarlison. Would you expect him to leave in the summer window um, because most people were quite disappointed with his misses, misses against Burnley. Um, five and five in the Premier League. Um, he's hit form in the Premier League, but is he the finished article? Is he a player that Ange Postacoglu can improve? And is he a player that Ange Postacoglu is going to want to stick with or replace in the summer? Well, I'd love to see this Richarlison that we're seeing uh, in a fully fit Spurs squad, you know, where we don't have any injuries and we're at full strength and we've got the creativity we need in midfield and we've got Madison playing balls in and Benton Core at 100% fitness. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, Richarlison for me, uh, he's not leaving in January. I... I can see him leaving in the summer. Absolutely. And and this is one of the things I wanted to say, actually, was I don't think that Timo Werner has any bearing whatsoever on Spurs going and buying a uh, perhaps a bigger money uh, striker in the summer at mm. all. Spurs could well do both, especially at £15 million. Pounds, you're going to do that deal if he impresses. And that's not going to stop you from, from buying someone else. 
Uh, I, I think with Richarlison, it's not just Saudi. There's going to be other other leagues interested, other teams interested. I'm sure there'll be Serie A clubs. I'm sure there'll be La Liga clubs that would be very interested. Uh, it's not long ago that he was, you know, attracting the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona. So, um, Josh, did you see the comments from Gabby Abonlahor about Richarlison? Which ones? He came out today and said that if Richarlison wasn't Brazilian, he'd be playing in League Two. Yeah, well, Gabby Bonglahor, you know, was a bang average striker that never achieved anything of, of note in his career. Um, so, you know, I'm going to take that with a massive pinch of salt as I do anything that's said on uh, by some of these people on TalkSport. Um, but look, for me, I like the improvement. I like the work rate. He's been a lot better. Yes, I thought he was poor against Burnley, but so was Kulosevsky. So was... Uh, several players in in that team. I thought Brennan Johnson, you know, he was trying, but the end product was poor. Look, uh, uh, I'm as we discussed before, he needs to step it up. He has been spetting, uh, he has been stepping it up. Let's give him till the end of the season. Let's see. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think if if we're not seeing the return that we want, bear in mind we still got half of we've got half of uh, you know the season to go, just under half of the season to go. We've got cup games as well. If Richarlison scores the winner in the FA Cup final, suddenly it's a different thing, isn't it, right? Um, You know, so all all I'm saying is let's give him to the end of the season. It's a good start. We're seeing some improvements from him. I don't think it's time to get carried away. I equally don't think it's time to get on his back. And I'm amazed at the abuse that he still gets from our fan base even though he's been one of the players that has been performing recently uh, and he has been scoring. And I think that it's, it's you know, this is not the time for us to be getting on the backs of our players. This is not the time for us to be launching tirades on social media against them. And by the way, these players see this stuff, all this abuse and all of yeah. the nastiness. And there is some really, I've seen racist things. I've seen really, really abusive things. On, on certainly on Twitter, uh, aimed at these players. These players see this stuff, right? And it affects them. So just think about it a little bit. You know, he's scoring goals. He's got five goals now. If he can score another 10, I'll be happy with that because I didn't think he was going to score one goal. So, you know, if he can get to a 15-goal season, I don't see that as a bad season at all. And suddenly, at least... At a worst case scenario, we can get a good fee for him. At, at best case scenario, we've got you know a striker that's going to improve on that. I don't think he's the finished article yet. Very sadly, Josh, it don't matter whether you're a board member, a manager, a player, or even a podcaster or a YouTuber, uh, we all get abuse. Um, that's the way it is nowadays, unfortunately. Um, last question for you. Um, Dane Scarlett, Jamie Donnelly and Alfie Dorrington. Um, with new signings coming in and with players coming back from injury, would you expect one, two or three of these players to go out on a possible loan during January? Not convinced by Dane Scarlett at all, I must be honest. Um, It's not been working. It didn't work for him uh, particularly well at Portsmouth. It didn't work for him at Ipswich, even though Ipswich were flying, but he wasn't really a part of that. Um, so yeah, I think for me this is a player that unless I, I, I could be I could be wrong, I don't think he's good enough. I think if at his age now and Dane Scarlett is how old is he now? He's 
19, okay, so he's still young. But look at Evan Ferguson. Look at, you know, Kobe Mainu at Man United. You know, frankly, there are so many players in the Premier League. Look at half of the Brighton players, it seems. You know, the age is not important. If you're good enough, you're good enough. And he's not good enough for that. Jamie Donnelly's a player that I I rate so highly. I, mm. I think the world of Jamie Donnelly. And I think the world of Alfie Dorrington as well. But for me, I don't want to see any of these nonsense League One, League Two loans. If you're going to give Jamie Donnelly a loan, has to be minimum championship, if not Premier yeah. League club. Again, shove him at Luton, shove him at Sheffield United, put him somewhere in a relegation battle where he's going to have to stand on his two feet and he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to hit hit the ground running. Um I Josh, it, it, is it realistic that both of them are going to go out on loan, though? Because when you look at the under-21s, they've been absolutely flying, winning every single game week in, week out during the season. Yeah. Does it seem like too easy now to, to keep putting them in the under-21s if they're not going to get first-team game time under Postacoglu with the injured players coming back? I can I can care less if we win or don't win the under-21 or the Premier League 2. I couldn't care less. Because what I care about is those top players from those teams. And I would also add Rio Kaimatin in there as well uh, as another one that is standout. You know, I want to see them bedded into this first team. I want to see yeah. if they're good enough. I want to see them get that opportunity. I, yeah. I was at the point of almost, uh, you know, I was almost at the, <laughs> the point of wanting to tear my hair out at Jamie Donnelly. I think it was on two separate occasions, looked like he was going to come on, got stripped and then got told to sit back down again. You yeah. know, and the big risk with this is when you're a player as good as Donnelly, when you're a player as good as Dorrington, if you don't get the chance, you might want to leave the football club and we'll see what happened with Romain Mundell, you know, where he left the football club, uh, Rio Griffith. And I know you can say, OK, well, it's not worked out well for them, but there's still that risk of losing top players. We lost Nani Madueke for that reason. So I want to see a boy like Jamie Donnelly, who is Tottenham through and through. Same thing with Alfie Dorrington. These guys not only play for us, but they are, you know, they are, well, I don't know, you, you two of our own. I suppose it sounds weird saying that, but they are two of our own. You know, you want to see those guys given a chance. Um, I think dragerson coming in i don't think dorrington's gonna get the minutes because we've also got ashley phillips so for me dorrington yeah. let's give him a loan i think if dorrington could go to it and i'd be more open to him having a, a league one loan to be honest somewhere like a peterborough or a you know top end derby peterborough top end league one or or championship club um i'd be really keen uh, i was speaking to you know my, my workmate that supports coventry he would take jamie donnelly at coventry you know, I'd like to see these guys put in a league where they're going to get minutes first and foremost. And they're going to be tested because this is the thing. You can't... Under 23s is not the same. These guys, they're going to sink or swim, you know. So for me, I think I'd be open to both of them going on loan. But if I was going to keep one, it would be Don Lee purely because I think he's more versatile, can play 10, can play central midfield if you need him to up top. 
uh, yeah, there's just uh, something something special going on with Donnelly, but maybe that's my own bias. But yeah, that that's where I'm at with it. I think I probably wouldn't expect to see all three of them go, but I think maybe two of them might might go on loan. No, I completely agree, Josh. I think it is very special for the football club as well that when a player goes through the academy, um, you know, particularly then goes plays for the under twenty ones and then makes their first team debut in the Premier League or in a competitive competition um, in the first team, it is fantastic to see. And you know, of course, I watch a lot of the under twenty ones uh, games, and, and when I see them progress, it's it's really nice to see from a fan's point of view. Um, Josh, I know I said that was the last question, but I've got to ask you, um, FA Cup draw, Monday evening, who would you like Spurs to face? And do you think this could be the year? Well, uh, the year doesn't oh, end in and, one. And, Ars- and Arsenal are out, by the way. Which is which which I said was going to happen. And, and it, it, before we went live, I said that was half of my, uh, my joy, um, which I, I saw this happening. Um, of course, that's going to be great for them because they're going to compete in the Champions League and the Premier League. But, you know, it's just funny to see Arsenal really struggling at the minute. Um, Right. Okay. so the year doesn't end in one, but I don't think that matters anymore. I think it was fun for a little while, but um, we've moved past that. I want to see us do it. I, I there is absolutely zero reason why Spurs cannot win the FA Cup. We've seen Leicester City win the FA Cup when there were stronger teams there. We've seen Crystal Palace get to a final, you know, when they really shouldn't have. You know, for me, it's got to, it's got to be. Did what Watford got to the final, didn't they, against City as well? They got absolutely pumped. But you know, Spurs should be looking to win this competition. I think we can win this competition. Who do I want? Well, I was raised in Kent. Maidstone United is my exactly what I was going to say. It's my local Maidstone <laughs> United is my local my local team. Um, in fact, I might even do I have it on me? I've got a Maidstone United um, winter hat, like a I've got a a bobble hat, a Maidstone United bobble hat that I've got in my room somewhere, uh, and I was wearing it the other day when they went through because I was really happy about that. Um, Maidstone United. Um, at home and as much as it would be as much as it would be great to go to the Gallagher and that's local for me and it would just be amazing to have these superstar players going turning up in Maidstone that the the 4G pitch is not what we need with our injuries so uh, I I do not want to see them on the crumb rubber I'd like to see them come to our place lowest ranked side it's got extra special meaning for me as well you know being a being a Kent boy um, other than that, if it wasn't going to be that, Plymouth Argyle away. Yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Um, I'd certainly go with Maidstone at home. I'd certainly go with that. We agree on a lot of things, actually, Josh. That's why I keep having you back, and you're a wonderful guest. So thanks so much for coming back. Um, what are you up to at the moment, and where could people find you? Yeah, just still doing my thing, working hard at, at Mail Sports um, on, the, on the social channels there. You can find us at Mail Sports. Uh, all one word, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, um, Facebook. And yeah, at Josh Hughes TV on Twitter, tweeting transfer stuff and general Spurs guff. Um, So yeah, if you like a natter about Spurs, then drop me a a, a follow and a a message. Um, As you know, could talk for hours. Thank you so much for having me on uh, as well. And, And hopefully this time next week, we will have a few new signings. 
I was going to say, hopefully this time tomorrow, we'll have Timo Werner over the line. Yeah, holding that shirt up. It'd be nice to see that. Um, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you don't subscribe to this channel on YouTube, please do hit that subscribe button, uh, like, share and comment below. And uh, if you're listening to this on an audio platform, please do hit that follow button and leave a review if you can. And uh, I'll see you again very, very soon. Josh, thanks so much. Come on, you Spurs. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.